CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of New Money with Spencer and Solo. I'm Solo Cisse, and today I'm feeling extra unathletic because I'll be the only non-pro athlete on the stage today, but we are gonna be welcomed by Imani Stafford, Foye Aluakin, and Renee Montgomery, and we're gonna talk about how sports and big tech have been colliding. So again, thank you guys for joining and enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? This is Spencer Dinwiddie. And I'm Solo Cisse. And this is New Money, brought to you by Coindesk. Today, we have Foye, who some of you guys might not know, grew up in St. Louis with my co-founder, Solo. Where are you joining us from? I'm here in Atlanta, Georgia, a little bit north of the city. Came in after Liv, ready to chop it up with you guys. <laughs> nah, appreciate you, appreciate you. What, what was it like entering the league, and, and how do you handle all the off-court things that came with it? Coming to the league, I didn't really know what to expect just because I didn't really have a lot of guys from my school going to the league. So everything I, I heard was just advice from like a whole bunch of people that I might have trained with and stuff. So I came in, you know, just expected it to be hard, cutthroat, nobody really on your side, like on your team or the coaching staff until you really gain people's trust. And so just kind of going through that and then seeing people coming in out of the facility, uh, whether on the team or cut from the team, or whatever, it's kind of really stressful. And so when I get home, I really like to unwind and just, you know, relax my mind and stuff, kind of get away from those stresses and stuff, make sure I'm always in contact with the, the guys I went to college with or, you know, solo and them in high school. Kind of get my mind away from the business of the game just because once we're in the facility, it's cutthroat from the second we get in to the second we get out, everything's being evaluated and stuff. But it's definitely a fun stress to have and a blessing to be a part of it, but it's definitely a little bit stressful. Now, I feel you. Uh, you know, we also have Renee and Imani here who – you know, in the WNBA, kind of, sort of. Sorry, I like to talk a little trash. He's one of my childhood best friends. What is it like off the court for you guys? We'll start with Renee. What's it like to off the court with you? I mean, well, I'm retired, so I'm, everything is off the court for me, business-wise. Thank y'all for having me. New money, this is lit, okay? But, you know, everything is off the court for me. It's, it's more so on the business side of things, and that's fun. You know, I call the games an analyst for the Hawks, but... We're in Olympic break right now, so figuring out some things. You know, we're a transition year for the Atlanta Dream. And so it's kind of cool to see the workings of how teams work and being involved in it. So that's what my world is like right now. No. What about you? You know, I'm figuring it out. I stopped playing to go to law school. I'm now trying to see if my body wants me to play again. And, like, Renee's not going to brag about herself, but she literally went from being my teammate to an entire owner of a WNBA team. She's the first WNBA player to do that. And, like, she's dope. 
and she's not even telling you about all her championships. If you look at her background, you can see everything she has. Oh, trust me, we, we see on the Zoom. We got UConn, we got trophies, we yeah. got, <laughs> got a lot of yeah, got no, a lot of collectibles right box. there. <laughs> yes. So it's just been really Thank awesome you, to like watch her because I want to be like her when I grow up. So to see is possible. Time. So with everything we got off the court for you, Renee, what would you say you spend most of your time on, you know, outside of you know the world of basketball and stuff like that? Oh my gosh, just building building my own stuff on my side. We got a production company now, started Think Tank Productions. Going to be signing with an agency is getting announced soon. So there's a lot of different things that we're filming that we haven't even announced that we're filming, but just the Atlanta dream, building that, and then just women's basketball in general. You know, there's this trajectory that's happening right now where people are starting to get understand the idea that, oh, women can play sports too and be good at it. So just building up the community aspect of it. You know, we have Renee's runs here in Atlanta where it's just pickup games that are organized and structured in a sense that you can actually come get some good organized runs in. So just doing different things in the Atlanta community. That's my main focus. Dope. Uh, would you say in all of your businesses that social media is very additive to, to what you're trying to uh, create? Or is it just something to talk to your fans? What, what is it to you? Nah, social media, like, I don't even call them fans on there. Like, I have people that I, I legit consider, like, homies. We might have never really met. And sometimes I forget that I haven't met people that was on social media until we actually meet for the first time. And so, I don't know. No, I use that as, like, an avenue. Like, if something's going on with me, I'm trying to figure out the temperature, how people feel about certain things. I ask Twitter. I ask what's going on. I live tweet events. Like, I'm very in tune with social media, so... I would say I don't just look at it as like social media. I really like utilize those platforms. Yeah. So it sounds like it's a lot of community building and, and stuff like that. You know, I actually wanted to tap on Foyer a little bit because he actually, funny enough, might be one of the funniest people you'll ever meet. And he certainly has a little community of his own and stuff. So Foyer, talk to us about, you know, some of your off the field activities. I know you have a clothing line. It's kind of funny within itself. You want to tell everybody about that? Off the field, I'm, I'm really... Just like Solo was kind of saying, I'm a clown. You kind of got to really get to know me to understand it. People think I'm mature and, and, and easygoing, which I am, but I really like having fun. So, like, a lot of times you'll see on Twitter, I interact with fans until the season starts. But they talking, you know, trash and stuff. I'll check them real quick. Not anything disrespectful. I was always making sure the mood stays light. Kind of on Instagram and, and through my brand, really, in college, we made a – or I made a brand called Ugly Gang. We had to make it Team Ugly Gang for train market reasons. <laughs> But it was, you know, a story about two kids on my team, underclassmen, had called me over to the uh, lunch table one day and they had asked for advice on how to talk to women, which I didn't think I even talked to women very well like that. So it was I was very blessed to be able to give them advice. And basically one of the dudes, you know, basically we're saying you're ugly, but we think you do well with girls. So we just wonder how you did it. And I was like, I really got hit, you know, pretty hard there. So I went home because none of my best friends were there. So when I went home, looked in the mirror, I said, you know what? Sometimes, you know, girls be choosing other dudes over me. And my, both my girlfriends left me before for other people who I thought were ugly. So, you know what? People be calling me ugly. I don't believe it. But <laughs> coming, <laughs> coming, coming from, wrong, basically, coming from the basically prom king of our high school, this guy out here. That's wild. I think you got a, a new brand ambassador, though. Ugly Game should, uh, th this should be a number one client right here. <laughs> Even when I'm ugly, I'm cute. Can't really. <laughs> hey, no, nah, because he was talking about people uh, leaving him. I, I know you, uh, you know what I'm saying, got that down pat, big dog. Learn from the best, baby. But you know what? At the end of the day, they said I was doing well, so whatever ugly stuff was I had, it was working. So, you know, turned into a, a brand of self-confidence. Like, it's hard to 
wear stuff that says that I'm ugly on it and then be self-conscious about it. So really it's like I have a whole bunch of messages on the back and the ugly duckling is the uh, mascot. And that's really just like anytime you don't fit in, there's a swan in all of us. So whatever people be saying, they're going to accept you for who you are. You got to accept yourself for who you are and then you can blossom and bloom. So that's kind of how that all came to be. And I just started selling them in college and people wanted it. Then I would say you're not ugly enough and stuff. And then people wanted to be ugly. So it turned into a big... Uh, motivational thing for me I think. that is dope <laughs> there definitely is an equilibrium i think medium ugly is medium like ugly. You, you know medium ugly you know it's kind of it's kind of in vogue right now a medium ugly man is where it's at that's what you need i don't subscribe to any of that is that, that's the way right symbol. now medium ugly <laughs> medium ugly guys no i'm an international <laughs> sex symbol don't don't listen to any of these people these both of these things I'm, can be true i'm very versatile I, I appeal to the masses and i stand by that so we got the ugly duckling she just ugly and then i'm me <laughs> Love it. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. So, so law school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -oh. Let's get so right. Like we got ugly gang over saying. here. You know, we got team know, owner. Team owner, right? Law school. Uh, talk to me. So that you don't like playing basketball anymore. Oh like, my god! You know, <laughs> the hard hitting questions. You know, how, how um, did that come about? Honestly, I got nervous. Like we put together our bubble season really, really late. The NBA knew they were gonna take a break, come back, and have a bubble season. And we put ours together maybe a month or two right before we started. And we had already like had to go to camp and we didn't go to camp. And I'm like, I'm not a franchise player. So if they paying people, I might not get none of that money. <laughs> like I got scared. So I was trying to figure out what are other avenues. And so I applied to school and I got in before the WNBA decided what they were doing. Oh, and it was kind of like, what are we doing? And I was sure that everybody was gonna be mad at me, like cuss me out, be like, you're stupid. And when I called like the people in my circle, him included, everybody was like, oh, that's dope, do it. Absolutely. And so, yeah. like, it's been a definitely a different path. Being a normal person is not fun, but it, it definitely goes towards my life purpose, and, and I enjoy every. I'm enjoying it. So, got you, got you. So, like, in that vein, like, when you think about like, you know, monetization or just in general money when it comes to sports and things like that, like, this is a question for the entire group. But like, you know, when you guys were coming to the league, like, what were the resources that you guys had? Did people prep you for that? Did they prep you for you know how you think about your own financial health going forward? Like, I mean, Man. Spence, you could actually chime in on this one, too. You know, me, I'm a regular person. Um, Wall Street, boy. okay. Okay, so, Wall Street. Semi-regular. He played D1 football. Right? <laughs> Come on now. No, I mean, I think, uh, I know in the NBA we have the, the rookie transition program, right? And so they talk a little bit about health, mental, physical, financial. 
I'll try to give you a little bit of preparatory foundation. And um, it's kind of on you to listen to the vets, do your own research as it comes. It's a whirlwind experience. Like uh, Foyer said, it's a, it's a blessing that I'd much rather have than, than not have, right? Like, I think all of us that have been able to play, you know, even D1, you know what I'm saying? So all of us have been yeah. D1 athletes. We, we understand the, the privilege that it was and, and the catapult and the, you know, springboard that it gave us to being the people that we are today. So, you know, obviously it's something I'm thankful for. And the resources of the league obviously have helped me, you know, get into new technologies and, and be in different rooms and business rooms and even meet Wall Street people to advance my career on and off the court. And they could probably speak to this because she's been in the league like double the amount of time I was. I was a nerd, so our orientation, I read that book front to cover. Like, I, was, I wanted to know everything. I asked all the questions. Like, I'm sure everybody in my class hated me. And then I also have, like, the difference of, like, my whole family is pro, right? So my brother yeah. is a pro player. My mom was a pro. Tina Thompson, Lisa Leslie, like, legends. I grew up with them. So, like, I tapped all of these resources when I was coming out. And it was quite the contrary when my... Um, college classmate came out a couple years behind me. She had nobody to talk to because she was the only athlete in her family. And so I was blessed in that regard. But I think just being cognizant that the game ends and like it's a vehicle and making the most of the opportunities. Like I definitely got into law school because I'm a WNBA player. Like <laughs> no flex. Like definitely they wanted to be like, we graduated WNBA player. Hey, get in where you fit in. Exactly. Hey, just using the platform the ball gives us to do more. Got you, got you. And so on the, on the topic of new technologies too, Renee, I know that you've, uh, you know, dabbled a few in, in a few different ones as well. So can you talk to us about kind of like what your thoughts are on technology? You know, how has the league embraced it? How have you personally incorporated it into your life and, and things like that? Yeah, no, I, I, shouts to Manny, man, going to law school, like I already told her personally, but it's dope. I wanted to say it out loud. Um, but I would just say, yeah, embracing where the world is going and, when the whole world shut down, we saw just how important tech was. We saw that we couldn't even connect a family without some aspect of tech. We had the older generation trying to figure out Zoom. It was a lot going on, but that just triggered my mind that, well, that's going to be the future anyway, just where we're going. So I kind of dove in all the way in and I did it with investments and I did it with also just focusing my foundation on it. You know, I think the minority community are not tech based. A lot of people don't even have tablets to use tech on. So that's kind of where I wanted to kind of fit in at and be that barrier where that connector where it's okay. Yes, we don't necessarily want to get it all the way into crypto, but you do need to know that crypto is here to stay kind of situation. So, yeah, I would say, you know, even with buzzer, you know, investing in a company like buzzer where they're going to give you micro forms of sports because everything is micro these days and just figuring out what's next. That's kind of where I'm at. Like where, what's next? Gotcha, gotcha. Like, actually, you know, a funny question, too, is like on the topic of crypto and things like that. What were you guys thinking when, you know, this man over here became the first person to tokenize his contract? He put it on the blockchain, got sued by the NBA in the process. What would you guys say? Like, did you guys read those headlines? What, what were you guys' thoughts on that and, and, and him trying to be a trailblazer? You know, like, I think one of the things I've always loved about him is that he's a nerd. I always say he's an acquired taste. But one thing he is, he's a disruptor, you know, like, and I think we have to have people to do that. And it's funny now because, and Foyo can probably speak to it, it's a couple of football players that have done it since without any struggle, you know, and like he can say he was the first one to do that. Yeah, I see those, uh, the football guys, and I just think it's a great opportunity for him. I'd be a little bit jealous because, you know, at first I wasn't completely sold on crypto. I didn't know if it was going to stay or not stay. So I'm not going to, you know, put money that I'm not comfortable in and losing. But now that I put some money in, probably when it was too high, should have waited a little bit for the drop. But 
now when people tell me like, what are you going to do? Like, I have money in there. I'm not going to look at it until I feel like, you know, I'm ready to do it. Just because when I've learned about investing, you know, through internships and stuff, uh, when I was in college, you know, the, the best investors basically put in some stuff that they're willing to not see anymore. And then down the line, it's going to pay off for dividends. So I was definitely jealous when people were able to get their stuff in blockchain. That's, that was cool for me to see. How are the leagues varying? Because, I mean, I know the NBA is probably a lot more outspoken about crypto and things like that, given this guy. But then you also have things like NBA Top Shot and different NFT projects, you know, coming up and being embraced by the league. Has the NBA or the WNBA and the NFL said much on crypto to you guys? Like outside of what, you know, you would see like on the news or anything like that? Like, have they guys talked to you guys about the technology? Like, what are their thoughts? Well, I just talked to the head of partnerships at Dapper Labs yesterday on my podcast, Remotely Renee, shouts to that. But I asked them straight up like, yo, where's the WNBA top shots at? And they said that they are coming like extremely soon, as in really soon. So I think that'll be a dope thing to gain interest. Top shot is a way that fans connect that may be casual fans in the crypto world. It's a way to like combine those two worlds. And then for me personally, I released an NFT collection. I called it my starting five and it was five big moments in my life that are kind of like my staples of my career, breaking the WNBA three point record for the in the half, opting out, just different things like that are big moments in my career. We memorialize them by having an NFT collection. So trying to just, you know, figure out different ways because I think people try to box in women's sports like, you know, and and to be like completely honest, my cryptos didn't do great. And I know that I've seen cryptos that aren't designed maybe as good as mine are. Shouts to my team that did well in the men's side. So it's just also to bring awareness that like, yeah, let's start to balance this playing field more. No, most certainly. I mean, I think one thing that would be interesting would be when people themselves, right, like the leagues and, you know, people follow suit like you did in, in tokenizing, you know, themselves or different moments of theirs or collectible items. Because, you know, I think you think about NBA Top Shot, that's great, but, you know, you don't necessarily own that IP associated with it, right? So, like, I think the educational process and I guess, you know, Spence, what do you think will take, you know, what will it take before you start seeing people really, really diving into that versus, you know, hey, my marketing coordinator whoever I have, brand ambassador, had come to me with this pitch idea. Like, when do you think we'll start seeing athletes um, really take ownership of their IP the way you did? I mean, greed's always a great place to start. Okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, no. Uh, I mean, obviously, as, as people start uh, making more money, as we enter another bull run for the crypto sphere in general, and as the tools become easier to use and less friction-filled, I think that's the main barrier to entry right now. The technology is still somewhat cumbersome. You know, it takes a team of people to spin up NFTs. When you can make an NFT that is, or, or the process is as easy as making like an Instagram account. cameras, yeah. Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? And it's, and it's kind of point and shoot like that. But it still has the, uh, obviously NFT means scarcity, but it still has that type of uh, brand value that it yeah. does right now. I think it, it has to be kind of that inflection point where brand value is high. But it's also point and shoot for right. the athlete or entertainer trying to trying to make their NFT and and when you kind of hit that that sweet spot where Web three kind of meets Web two, you'll have a lot yeah. a lot of I these. I mean, you can't stuff. just you can't just NFT anything, right? Like that's exactly what you see a little bit of at this point in time for sure. No, that that definitely makes sense. I guess like from my perspective too, like what are the locker rooms saying? I know you've talked a little bit oh, about man. it, but like I don't know if you guys like what are those conversations about like new technology and stuff like in the locker room if there are any with your teammates and stuff like that. Like, I'm sure a lot of people had questions for you. Yeah, no, that's, that's probably actually a great question for Foyer because I've been out of a locker room for a year with my ACL, and when I was in the locker room, I was getting laughed at. 
You know, a lot has changed since then. Bitcoin did like eighteen months. You know, like last time I was in the locker room, it was pre-pandemic. So you know, it might be a better question for you because, like I said, I was getting laughed at eighteen months ago. Yeah. So in the, at least in my locker room, there will be like five guys who've been on it for a long time. We'll, we'll say a long time, just before everybody else, and they're kind of like the gurus of the locker room. Like it's not really given to us from our. Uh, player record like we don't have anybody else besides the players talking about how to handle our money really unless you know somebody from outside the locker room yourself so these five guys say i've been getting into this and that and they'll start advising people and then more people will jump on it and now everybody thinks that they're like finance (laughs) and then really it's not until like i I was peeping i just wanted to see you know from those guys who were on it early like are they riding is it like something quick is it going to be something that they're going to invest in for a long time but it's kind of like that. You kind of gain trust of somebody who's probably older, has some money and has invested in stuff before. And then they're kind of disadvising younger guys down the line. Uh, but everybody's eager to find the way. Because we all know, especially in the NFL, like a lot of people aren't in there for that long. So we're always trying to find avenues for gaining or getting money or using our NFL platform or using whatever money we're getting in the NFL in order to make that money work for itself. So everybody's eager to learn about something like that. Gotcha, you, gotcha. You know, that makes sense. I mean, I think... From my perspective, too, like one big disclaimer, nobody is a financial advisor. Oh, yeah. Right. So like Spencer, I know you're adamant about that. So it's quite funny. You got some financial gurus and on the Atlanta Falcons out here. (laughs) I don't know if you guys got some FAs action on the side. But yeah, no. So we got one, one dude who went to uh, Brandon Copeland. He like has his own. Oh, uh, oh Cole, Brandon, that's my yeah. guy. That's my guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dang, so he, that's he, somebody I don't know. Like podcasts and stuff. <laughs> you should know him. He's dope. <laughs> I mean, Copeland's done a lot yeah. of stuff. He's, he teaches a class at Penn. Crazy. I wish I took that class. Yeah, he has. Whole, <laughs> yeah, he's a whole professor. <laughs> yeah, nah, he's he's yep. dope. You know, thank you, Imani. Some somewhat. Uh, but really, thank you, Foyer, and Renee for for joining yep. us today on New Money. Uh, again, I'm Spencer Dinwiddie. Shout out to CoinDesk and my co-founder Solo. Appreciate you guys joining Appreciate us you today. Guys joining us. <laughs>